You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Look at the person next to you and say, you look great today. Have you been working out? Because it sure looks like it. Amen. <laughs> you know, many times uh, I would just rather be an evangelist, travel around the world, preach my same message with a few tweaks, just give my testimony and move on, but... God has called me to be a pastor right now, so 52 weeks a year, sometimes more, uh, speaking of different things, and I, I'm actually speaking at a conference in September. I'm going to invite you all to that to come support me in Brooklyn. But, um, you know, sometimes you're just lost for, like, what is it, what is it that, that, God, what is it that you want your people to hear? And my wife will say to me, if she hears me talking like that, she'll say, what are you going through? And uh, this week... I was going through just being kind of drained. You ever been drained? Maybe I was worn out. Uh, just allowing the weight of different things to weigh me down. I've felt times like giving up. You ever feel like giving up? <laughs> I'm glad I haven't, but I've felt that many times in my life. Um, so I started talking to the Lord about it, and uh, he said, that's what you're to preach about today. Because, you know what, and I'm not talking about myself, but even the best of you, even the best of us, at times, we're so worn out, we're so weary, we're just so, that we've said we want to quit. Or, I just want to die. I'm done. My, my wife, like, I'm done. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's with a person, you know, like in a situation, you're just like, I'm done. I'm done with that person, or I'm done with this job, or I'm done with this ministry, or I'm done with this marriage, or I'm done with this, or I'm done with that, you know. And things like that will happen. It happens to the best of us. It happened to one of the greatest people in the Bible. I mean, if you read about this guy's life, it's like, what could ever get this guy down? His, his name is Elijah. His name literally means, my God is Jehovah. El, which is God, and Yah, which is God. He's like, God, God is in his name, you know. And uh, we first see him, and, and this guy, he just appears in the in 1 Kings chapter 17. It's like, all of a sudden, there was Elijah. <laughs> it's funny, it's like he just appears in the scripture, and then when he leaves a couple chapters later, it's in a whirlwind. <laughs> he kind of drops in and helicopters out. So, I mean, this is a mighty man of God. When he first appears in, in 1 Kings 17, he goes to the king of Israel, Ahab, and says, because of the sin of Israel, there's going to be a drought for three years. And how many of you know that a drought back then was different than a drought now? You know, like California had a drought, but I bet you California is still overweight, okay? Back then when there was a drought, there's no food. Droughts like money, rain, <laughs> And actually, the God that Israel was worshiping was Baal. He was the sky God, one of his many, you know, things. Like, so they would pray to him for rain. Amen. He's like the money God. So guess what? There was a drought. He said there was going to be a drought. There was a drought. When Elijah said some, it happened. Then he, we know he went to Zarephath, right? God said, go to Zarephath. There's a widow there who's going to provide for you. What ends up happening? This woman provides for him, and then he provides for her in a miraculous way. Because, you know, many times you think, you know, when, when Pastor John was talking about giving, you know, you think you're giving, but God wants to provide for you in a miraculous way. And that's, that's you, see the, you see the principle of giving right there. And then what happens? So this woman, all of a sudden, you know, her, her oil doesn't run out. She's got enough food in the midst of a famine. But then her son gets sick, and he dies. And Elijah raises him from the dead. Amen? Then after three years, 
Elijah comes back, and he comes to Ahab, and he says, the drought's about to end. But first, I need to have a little war with your prophets. And really, it was, I called them Jezzy's squad, because his wife was Jezebel. And uh, really, maybe Ahab in name was the king, but we know who the real king was. Jezebel, you know? Not like in our families and our homes, right? I'm the king, all right? You're just a queen. People will say stuff like, she really runs the house. I'm like, no, she doesn't. You don't know. I'm the king. I'm not an Ahab, you know? You know, last week uh, I was preaching about, you know, being a real man, and real men don't abdicate, abdicate, is what, how do you say that word? Abdicate their responsibility. But that's what Ahab did. And it's funny because God would always send Elijah to Ahab, even though Jezebel was making all the decisions. Because in God's eyes, it's on Ahab anyway. You can rank on Jezebel all you want, but it was his fault. He allowed her. So three years, he goes back. He says it's going to rain, and then he challenges 450 prophets of Baal. And there's 400 prophets of Asherah, but we're not going to talk about them. We're just going to talk about the prophets of Baal. That was Jezebel's. Those are, those are her guys. She runs that crew. Amen. So Elijah by himself says, okay, and we're going to put a sacrifice here, and, and, and uh, I want, you know, he says, you guys can go first, ladies first, okay? And, 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 and get your God, get Baal to make this sacrifice go on fire. So what do they do? They start jumping around. Yeah, come on. They start screaming to their God, and it's not working. Next thing, they start cutting themselves. You thought cutting just started in the uh, 90s. They start cutting themselves so they draw blood. See, the fake God, you draw your blood. The real God, he drew his blood. Amen? So they're cutting, and, and you know, really, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but these teens and, and young people that are cutting, hurting themselves to get attention. Let me tell you something. There's a guy who loved you so much. That he sent his own son, and his son chose to, to be totally pierced, to bleed out for you. There's nothing you have to do but receive his love and his sacrifice. You are special. You are, God loves you. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. You know, they were cutting, and guess what happened? Nothing. And then Elijah started mocking. He, he was like, maybe your God's asleep. <laughs> Won't you wake him up? Maybe he's watching a movie. No, he didn't say that, but he was basically mocking them. So then when they were done for hours and hours and hours all day, they were probably exhausted. They've tried everything. Elijah's like, okay, before I go, get some water and pour it on this sacrifice that we're going to burn up. So they get a bunch of big, huge jars of water poured on the sacrifice. They do it once, and then Elijah goes, no, get some more. And they do it again, and he says, no, get some more. They poured so much water on it that they had a trench around the sacrifice that it filled up with water. And Elijah was like, okay, now we're ready. And he prayed, and fire came down from heaven and burnt that sacrifice, and it says it licked up every drop of water. And all of a sudden, all the people went, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Oh, I remember in that movie, The Mummy, you know, when, the, when, when, when Imhotep would walk in and they would all go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what happened. They were just, the Lord is God. The Lord, you know, they were just, wow. To see that, you'd think it would change a nation, but it didn't. So then, we know that later on, literally, Elijah didn't even die. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Amen? I want that too. Like Elijah just left his mantle, you know? I want to be taken up in a whirlwind and then leave my money for the family. Here, that taken. I have been waiting for this here. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Not really. Uh, <laughs> taken up into a whirlwind. Wow. But this guy, even with all that, became depressed and lonely and worn out to the point where he wanted to die. That brings us to 1 Kings chapter 19. In verse 1. 
Now, after he had just defeated them, he goes to Ahab, the king. He says, Ahab, get something to eat because the rain's coming. Elijah doesn't get anything to eat, but he tells him to get something to eat. Elijah goes and prays. Remember? He prayed, and then he saw a little cloud. His servant said, there's a little cloud. He prayed again, and finally, a storm came, and it poured. And then Elijah said to Ahab, you better get going because it's about to be a flood here. And Ahab heads to Jezreel, and it says that Elijah ran on his own to Jezreel and beat him there. You know how far that was? 16 miles he ran. I think Elijah would have been in the Olympics. How many of you can run? How many of you can run 16 miles? I can't run a 16th of a mile. Never mind. <laughs> this guy could run. I was, he, he's like Tom Cruise when you look at Elijah's life. You know how Tom Cruise in the movie, he's always running? Even in that movie, The Firm, how many of you are that old? No, remember that movie. He was running in that one. Every mission impossible, he's running. Some tr plane's about to hit him. He's like, you know what I mean? He's not really that fast. It's all tricks. But Elijah was like Tom Cruise, man. He was always running. So he runs, and here's what happens in verse 1 in chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. So first thing Ahab does is he goes home and tells mommy, I mean his wife, guess what Elijah did? Gives all the detail. I mean, who's wearing the pants in this family? When I go home, I just, if my wife says, how was your day? I just go, uh, it was good. It was bad. It was this. She's the one that wants to give me all the details of everything that happened starting at 8 in the morning. And about a, an hour later, we're at 1130. I'm like, Lord Jesus. You know what I mean? But this, Ahab goes home and says, Jezebel, this is what he did. And he did this and he did that. Oh, man, he got, you think she got fired up? Think she got upset? Jezebel's scary, man. H have you ever had a woman mad at you? <laughs> Want me to tell you a story real quick? I had a woman so mad at me once. This is before Jesus. Should I tell you? Should I tell you or not? This woman... Follow me down Richmond Avenue on Staten Island. How many of you know what that is, uh, Staten Island Mall? I'm driving down in my car. All of a sudden, I come to a red light, and boom! My car just went boom! I looked around. There she was, Jezebel. You know what I did? I went to the next light. I stopped. Boom! No, I'm not kidding. You know how many booms I got? At least a dozen. But she had a little car. She totaled her own car just to knock my car. You know what happened? I fled. And later, I was driving down Victory Boulevard and sat down like this. And all of a sudden, that car was coming head first towards me. The exact car. How did I know? There was smoke coming out of it. The radiator was hanging out. I turned so fast. Listen. When you get a woman mad at you, you better run. <laughs> Not my wife, though. Not like that. Solomon said, listen, it's better to be on the corner of a rooftop than to be in the house with a contentious woman. I ain't hanging out on the roof, people. I'm out of town. I mean, so he ran. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. In other words, Elijah, I'll die if I don't kill you tomorrow. Whoa. And it says, look at verse 3. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life to Bathsheba, which is in Judah. He literally left the country. He went to Bathsheba, which is 80 miles away. I don't know how long it took him for that run. But I love in verse 3 what it says. It says when he saw that. So you know what that tells me? That Jezebel didn't send a messenger to talk to him. She sent him a greeting card. 
when he saw that, because, you know, women, they love to write cards, right? Imagine your wife gives you a card on your birthday. If you're not out of here by tomorrow, you're dead. <laughs> I believe she wrote him a card. And on the bottom it said, praise thou, Jezebel. He saw that, he ran. And that brings us to verse 4. Now it says in verse 3 that he left his servant and he ran. In other words, he didn't want anything to weigh him down. Do you know who the rabbis, the commentators of the Torah say that that servant was? They say that that servant was the young man that he raised from the dead. The widow's son. You know what else they say? Now this is the commentators, all you scholars, just hush, okay? They say that that was Jonah. That was Jonah who went into the belly of the whale. Now, I didn't have three weeks to study it, but I'm just telling you what they said. A couple of Jewish lawyers, I don't know. Sometimes you believe them, sometimes you don't. I'm half Jewish, so I tend to believe them. Anyway, just a little add-on for you. In verse 4, it says, But he himself, without his servant, he left everything, went a day's journey into the wilderness, sat under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough, Lord, take my life, because I'm no better than my father's. So he prayed that he would die. And my first thought is, you don't really need to pray that you could die. Just go to Jezebel's house and she'll take care of that for you. But you know, when you get tired and you get worn out, you say things that you really shouldn't say. Amen? <laughs> it's funny, I used to work on Wall Street with my friend Frank Belgiorno, and he reminds me of it all the time. But halfway through the day, you know, I used to always say, I'm tired. I'm tired, Frank. He's tired. And he goes, how could you be tired? You know, the market's going crazy. We're doing this all day. But I would always say, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I would say, let's leave the office. You know those double-decker buses that go around New York? I said, Frank, come on. Let's go on the double-decker bus. Let's go around New York. They'll never know. We'll say we went to lunch. The problem was, our company, everybody's watching CNBC. So we were afraid that if a camera saw us on the bus, we'd be like, hey! And we'd be fired. But I used to say this all the time. I wasn't really tired. I was just worn out. I was just worn out, you know. Or when you're worn out and tired, you say something to your wife that you want to take back. Anybody? I said, anybody? <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're, you're working on something in the house. You're doing something that's frustrating you. And you come in the house and your wife says, could you build me a house in the backyard? And you're like... <laughs> And right, what are you like? Oh, dear, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. You say something stupid, and you pay for it. And you pay for it, and you're still paying for it. <laughs> he prayed that he might die. And then he went to say another thing that we say a lot of times. I'm done. It's enough. I can't take this anymore. Did you ever say you're done with somebody? I'm done. I said, my wife always said, we're done. <laughs> you know, like people in your family, that people that are like, they take from you, and then you help them, and they take from you, and then you give them advice, and they don't do it, and they blame you anyway. And then you're like, I'm done. I, I'm just done. It's just wearing you out. And finally, he says, I'm no better than my father's. In other words, you know what? I'm not good enough. I always mess it up anyway. This isn't going to change. He wanted to die. He felt like he couldn't go on. He felt worse than ever about himself. And then in verse 10, this is another thing that we start to feel and he felt. Now, he said, look, I've been zealous for God. I'm doing everything for God, right? And I'm alone. And sometimes you feel like you're doing all this and, and, and you're on your own. You're doing it. You ever feel like that? Or how about your story is always worse than somebody else's, amen? Like we'll bring, you know, when we talk to someone in our office, uh, you know, like talking to somebody that's going through something, and, uh, you know, they'll tell this story, and it's like, wow, this is really bad. And I'm like, nah, really, it's not that bad. I, I can find worse, you know? 
we always think what we're going through is the worst. Amen? Come on now. Right? And then we'll fight to say, no, but you don't know what I went through. Oh, but you don't know. Really? No, it was worse for me. We never have competition about how great it is, though. We should have competition about how blessed we are. Well, actually, I'm a little more blessed than you. And I'm a little, let's fight about that instead of w making our way to the bottom. So he felt alone. See, depression and despair, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And it happened to the best of him. And, and notice when it happened. He just had a huge spiritual victory. Do you know that some of the lowest times in my life are after I preach a message? Ten people get saved. A hundred people come up to the altar. People are falling. Emotion being shown and everything. And I go to Alicia and I go, you think anything good happened today? It reminds me of when I used to do drugs. And I would be high, 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 the highest highs of my life. But once I stopped, I experienced the lowest lows that I could possibly. I, I mean, I almost took my life a few times because of that. But at the lowest point, one of my lowest points is when I met Jesus. So thank you for the lows, God, in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? But, you know, he, it happened after a great victory. I mean, come on. He just defeated 450 prophets, and one woman sends him a bad card, and he's like, ready to die. Think about it. And also, he just ran a lot. He just How about when you get tired? Physically tired. Ever been physically tired? Running yourself ragged? Sometimes you really are tired. But sometimes it's not even that you're running your body too much. Sometimes it's not running your body enough. Like for me, if I don't get enough, enough exercise, I start to get depressed. So there is a balance. It doesn't mean that you don't move. Of course you move. But there's always a balance with your body. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It really counts. So not only that, remember, he didn't eat either. How many of you get grumpy when you don't eat? Come on now. You believe my petite little wife who barely eats a salad. Like, we'll be in the car, and she'll go, she'll go I'm hungry. And I'm like, okay, we can wait for a couple stops on the parkway. Like, no, you understand. I'm hungry. I'm like, what's the big deal? You barely eat anyway. You get me some food. Anybody got a wife like that? Like, she just, I go, what do you got, low blood sugar? Chill out, girl. If I can make it, you can so then literally, we will pull over somewhere and she'll order like a salad. I'm like, you couldn't have made it without leaves? <laughs> like, really? How many of you get grumpy when you're hungry? Don't worry, I'll let you out of church on time. Jeez. I wish he'd hurry up. I'm hungry right now. It's lunchtime. Doesn't he know? So he didn't eat, right? And then another thing, it's like I'm doing everything for God. Like I just had this great victory. 450 prophets couldn't, they're cutting themselves, they're doing a dance, it ain't working. I say three prayers, it happens. And yet, this Jezebel, like, didn't you, Jezebel, what, did, did you not hear what happened? I guess not. I mean, you would think that somebody that heard that. But no, you could tell someone that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. He was raised from the dead. Wherever he went, people were healed, delivered, set free. People were raised from the dead, blinded eyes open, everything. And they're like, oh. So it doesn't surprise me that this didn't change Jezebel. Amen? So, I mean, that can be discouraging. So in verse 5 and 6, here is the answer. There is an answer for being worn out. There is an answer for being depressed. There is an answer for being empty and feeling like you're alone. And the answer, of course, is God. Amen. In verse 5, it says that he, he lay and he slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Do you know there are angels assigned to every one of us ready to move at the word of God? Then he looked and there by his head was a cake. Baked on coals. I, 
can't help but think it was probably angel food cake. Uh, I just came up with that. I don't know. And a jar of water, most likely Avion. And uh, he ate and drank, and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, eat, because you have a long journey ahead. Yesterday, <laughs> I was worn out this week. I, anybody ever worn out? Just yesterday, it's Saturday. I have all my notes for my message, but it's just a conglomerate of notes kind of thing. And uh, I just, I just was tired, man. Like kids are over, and whenever they come over, it's like more work for me. They're not here. They were at the first service. I'm gonna talk about them. Like, I'm cooking, I'm doing all this stuff, because the kids are over. He's just like, the kids are coming. I'm like, great. That's like work. That means, like, work. Work, boy. Work, little Ahab. Ahab, get the grill out. <laughs> just kidding. That's funny, isn't it? If you ever call me Ahab, we got a problem. <laughs> I don't say Jezebel, I say Jezzy. <laughs> anyway. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's funny. Anyway. <laughs> All right. In, the, in Jesus' name, cleanse me, Lord. Oh, what was I talking about? So yesterday, I'm just, I'm feeling worn out. So they're all out there making noise, and I'm tired. I was working on my message till the kids came. And I'm like, the kids are here. This means more wear and tear on what? So I went into my son room there, and uh, I said something crazy. And the Lord said something crazy to me. I said, I'm tired. And the Lord said, take a nap. I don't know about you, but I rarely take a nap. Okay? I need to be drugged to take a nap. Okay, you want to know the truth? I've literally taken NyQuil just to take a nap, okay? Now they make something called ZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZ
Like, why can't she sleep? Why is she in such peace? Like, you know, when you lay down, how many of you, when you lay, you're not, you're not thinking. Like, it's 10 o'clock, you stop, you turn the thinking off so you can go to sleep. You lay down, and now you're thinking about everything. I'm like, dang, would you shut down? And she would go, he gives his beloved sweet sleep. In other words, if you're not sweet sleeping, you might not be his beloved. So she would say that. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. I don't even see the word sweet in there. I don't know where you got that. Because then it was kind of like a girly scripture to me. I don't want sweet sleep. I want he gives his, yeah, sleep, you know. But um, he does. He does. He said it's vain for you to get up early and to sit up late. You know, a lot of us, we get up early, we work all day, we work all night, and then we're like, what? What do we get for that? Nothing. Close your eyes for a second. All right, what do you get up for waking up really early and working all day and going to bed late? What do you see? Nothing. That's what you get, nothing. It's a waste of time. It's vain. God, they got it. Uh, God wants us to rest. Sometimes we just need to rest and, and to eat something. Not sorrow. Not when you come home and what your wife made for you will bring you sorrow. But she makes you that real nice dinner so you can get a nice sleep that night. Amen, ladies? <laughs> so we don't want to eat bread of sorrows. We don't want chicken that's still frozen, okay? Amen? He gives his beloved sweet sleep. If we work our butts off day and night, when we meet Jesus, he's not going to say, wow, that was good, here's a badge. <laughs> he was going to say, you need to get some rest, because eventually that will be, it'll, it'll be wear and tear on you. Amen. Got to rest and replenish. Next. In verse 11, he said, go out. So, so then, listen to this. So then, after he eats again, the angel says, you need to eat this because you're going on another journey. You know how long this journey was? 40 days. 40 days. That must have been some really good angel food. So then for 40 days, he's going to go to Mount Sinai. And I guarantee you, it doesn't take 40 days for him to get there. This dude covered 80 miles in a day. This guy was a track star. But no, God was like, listen, you need to take it easy. You just had some rest. You don't bounce back immediately. You're going to take your time. Because, you know, some of us, if we fall into depression or we get worn out, we think we just snap right to it. It takes time. It takes time. Now, I wasn't totally gone yesterday. But it took me time. I, I relaxed. After I took a nap and ate something, I just, I was working on my message like all, and, and we're just at peace. I'm on a journey now. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to have an encounter with God. He's going to have a powerful word for you guys, and it doesn't matter. So, 40 days. Now he gets 40 days. Imagine that. Your boy says, listen, see me in 40 days probably would be a good idea. Amen for some of you. You got to take vacations. The people who work for me, they get vacations. I'm sorry. I'd rather have a well-rested, happy worker than somebody totally burnt out. I don't want you working for me. Get out of here. That's what we used to do on Wall Street, too. Be like, get out of here. Get out. Now, I, when I used to work on the trading floor and I would get worn out, we would get so worn out we were in this pit we would give each other sickness, disease, you know, we're all screaming and spitting on each other and yelling, and everybody's depressed or happy. It was like an emotional roller coaster every day of your life. And after like a week, <laughs> a couple of weeks, you're like burnt. Like you're looking to take somebody's head off, and we did that too. And you know, occasionally, you're, whoever, you know, would say, you need to get out of here. Don't come back for a couple weeks. And you know what? If I would have done that more, I would have made a lot more money. Because when I was tired and cranky, I made bad decisions. Amen? Amen. I always tell people, like, if they're really, like, if I'm talking to them and, and giving them advice and 
and, you know, they're tired. They haven't let, I had somebody come recently into my office and say, like, I haven't eaten in four days. I haven't slept in five. I haven't eaten in four, and I haven't slept in five. Okay? Oh, great. Let's make a decision now. <laughs> Go home, get some sleep, come back and talk to me. Amen? Our bodies are important. People, take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. You'll make bad decisions. So 40 days, and what happens? The Lord says, uh, it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. See, because when you're rested, God can speak to you. Yesterday I was rested, I was replenished, and all of a sudden I heard God speak to me. And he said to him, go stand on the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. <laughs> you know, some of us are going through some shaky times in our life, some earth-shattering there's a storm, there's a shaking, then there's a fire. It's like, whoop, I don't know how much more I can take this. And we're like, where are you, God? But you know what? It's all going to pass. And then he's going to speak to you in this, with a still, small voice. I remember the most earth-shaking, stormy time of my life. It was the year 2000. I lost everything. And then I lost everybody else's everything, and I was in debt hundreds of thousands of dollars. I didn't have a job. For months, I couldn't find a job. Couldn't find a job. Nothing was working. One day, I just collapsed in a church. I was like, I give up. Then all of a sudden, I heard a still, small voice say, start a church in Mankato. Still, small voice changed my life. And for some of you, it changed yours. But that same voice that speaks to me speaks to you. And after the earthquake and the storm and the fire, if you stop for a second, you can hear it. And that voice can change your life. Amen? It changed your life. Still, small voice. Because, frankly... Who else do you want to hear from? I need to hear from God. He knows it all. He owns it all. He is the all in all. We're listening to so many voices, like my wife was saying earlier, about the words that you hear. When you stop for a second, there's a still, small voice that will speak to you. That same voice spoke to me when I was a cocaine addict. I found Jesus. I was on my way to get more drugs driving in my car, all of a sudden, I pulled my car over to the side of the road. I stopped. I said, I give up. I just want to die. And a still, small voice said to me, you don't have to do cocaine anymore. Really? That's it? I don't have to? I never did it again. Isaiah... Like a still, small voice. Would I have loved for my car to get lifted up the ground and over the trees like E.T.? And for God to say, thou shall not. <laughs> it would have been better. It would have been more exciting. I would have loved it. But no, that's not how he did it. And many times that's not how he does it. We're always looking like, oh, yeah, in Florida there's this movement. And, and here and there, I can tell you that where the movement is, it's in your heart. The Holy Spirit lives in you and wants to speak to you with a still, small voice. Amen. I remember a little voice said to me, you're going to marry her. It was a still, small voice. And I said, did you speak up? What would you say? <laughs> hey, you sure about this? Hey, little voice, you better, I'm not sure. No, just kidding. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus says the Lord. The, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and confidence, 
shall be your strength. Who else are you going to live? Who else are you going to listen to? He always has something to say in the matter. God has a word for you through his still small voice. You know, it says that God told Elijah to come out of the cave after the earthquake and the wind and the fire. He said, he said come out of the cave. Some of us are in a cave. We need to come out and be open with God if we want to hear from him. And it says that Elijah came out with his, you've seen the pictures of Elijah with his mantle covering. And, and we know that that mantle has to do with God's anointing on you. Amen. Do we all have a mantle in life that God has given us? If you don't know it today, let me tell you something. You do. But also, he used that mantle because he knew he was coming out to face God. And if you looked God in the face, you would die. So he covered himself. Let me tell you something. You could talk to God now like nobody in the Old Testament could. You know why? Because you have a covering. It's called Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. He's the anointed one and his anointing. So this anointing is on you. And here's the thing that the small voice said to me about Elijah. That as tired as he was and as much as he wanted to die, he still had his mantle. He still had his calling. And I want to tell you, no matter how bad it gets, you still have your mantle. You still have your calling. No matter what, that is irrevocable. Amen? It's, it cannot be taken back. You're covered and you have a covering. You have an anointing, and you can hear from God, and you can do great things for him, and you will be revived, and you will be restored because he loves you. And here's what God said to Elijah. He said in 1 Kings 19:15, he said, go and anoint this guy, Haziel is king, anoint Jehu as king, and you're going to have Elisha, who's going to be the next prophet in line for you. And you shall anoint him. And whoever escapes Hazael, Jehu's going to kill. Whoever escapes Jehu, Elisha's going to kill. In other words, these people that have been wearing you out, these people that you're afraid of, they're going down. I got you covered. None of them are going to get away. And you are actually going to be the force your anointing, your mantle is what's going to lead to their defeat. Because he's going to anoint them. And if this king doesn't get them all, that king's going to get them all. And if that king doesn't get them all, then Elisha's going to get Well, Elisha's going to get them all. If Elijah don't get them all, Elisha's going to get them all. Amen? Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the plans. Who knows the plans? He knows. Even if you don't. I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for what? They're plans for what? They're plans for what? Why is it so hard for you people to say good? I used to say this all the, all the time. I would start saying it again. Something good is coming your way. Something good is coming your way. Something good is coming your way today. Why do I say that? Because God's got a plan and it's for something good. Does God have a plan for your life? Is it good or bad? Oh my God, that's amazing. Does God have a plan for your life? Is it something good? Oh my God. If that doesn't get out of doldrums, I don't know what does. And it's for a future? Anybody here have a future? How about some hope? Amen. I know, but sometimes you say, but you don't understand, Pastor Joe. You don't understand what's going on with me right now. And I love these scriptures. My brother, who's going to be here next week, he loves these scriptures. We love these scriptures in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. First one is in verse 25. And it says that 
The enemy is going to speak words against the Most High. How many of you know that right now there's a voice in the world against God? Like never before, like I'm playing basketball with people and they curse God like he's a nobody. I mean, at work you hear people like they'll just laugh about God. They will come right out. People used to be afraid. They're not even afraid anymore. Are you a Christian? You stupid. I, I, I'm worried about you. Because <laughs> if you keep that up, guess what's going to happen to you? I don't want to say it because I love them. But it angers me sometimes. Amen? You know, and they speak words against God, but it's to wear us out. It's to wear out the saints. How many, who, who's a saint here? Amen. You're getting it. When the saints go marching in, who's marching? Us. I want a trumpet. Can I have a trumpet? Have a flag too? I just want to march with a flag. You want a baton? Okay. You would want a baton. I want a sword then. Dang. Always competing with me. Wear out the saints. How many of you feel like there's an enemy trying to wear you out? And look what happened in verse 22, and this is what Daniel saw to the end, end times. How many of you think we're living in the end times? Terrence, please raise your hand. Pastor Terrence. No. <laughs> I love it. No, but guess what? Every day we are closer to the end times. Right? Guess when the endest of endest of times is? Right now. It's just right now. We're closer to the last days than we've ever been. Right now is my word speaking. You hear that? Right now. Every second, we're closer. So he was looking for, and he said, he said, the enemy was making war against the saints. Who's the saints? And he was prevailing against them. It looked like he was winning. Until, everybody say until, the ancient of days came. It's like, it was like last week when the warriors were up 3-1. And it looked like they were prevailing against my man LeBron. It looked bad. Until the king came. With triple-double, triple-double, triple-double. So all you LeBron haters, shut up! I've had it with you! It may have looked bad, but the king came. <laughs> Amen. How many of you are going for the warriors? Yeah, put them little alligator arms down right now and bow to the king. Anyway, <laughs> until it's like the piano's playing, it's all this nice stuff, and I'm talking about LeBron James. Too bad I got the mic. Amen. Making war against the saints, it looked like they were losing. And sometimes does it feel like you're losing? Sometimes you think, like, what's going on? Why is why are they doing this to the church? And look what's happening to Christianity. And something's not right. Something's not fair. I ain't worried. Because when the ancient days come, a judgment is made in whose favor? Whose favor? Who are the saints? Us. Who gets the kingdom? We do. So even if you're down three games to one, guess who wins? You do. And the time came for the saints, that's us, to possess the kingdom. So no matter how bad it looks, no matter how worn out you might be, no matter how empty or alone you might feel, I'm telling you, finally, this is my final point, you're not alone. Look what happens in 1 Kings 19. See, because many times when you get down and everything, you think, I'm the only one who cares. There's times I feel like I'm the only one that cares about the church. You know? Like if I walk in and I see a piece of paper there for the second service, I'm like, why? All those hundreds of people at the first service, why couldn't they pick up that piece of paper? Don't they care? I'm the only one that cares. Look at me, God. Look at me reach out and take this slimy piece of paper and put it in the garbage can. I'm the only one who cares. It's not true. Elijah was like, I'm the only prophet left. I'm the only one who cares in the whole world. I'm all alone. Here's what God says to him. I reserve 7,000 in Israel that are on your team. 
So if you feel alone, let me just tell you something. There's a church full of Grace Church people right here that care about you, that love you, that will not let you leave today without an encouragement, without a prayer, without help. You know, when I go on Facebook and I see people helping one another in this church, my heart melts because it makes me realize I'm not alone. Before the service today, and I'm finished now, I was, before the second service, I was out in the hallway, and uh, I had just preached, so I was feeling a little down, a little alone maybe, and I went to go get a cup of coffee, and Jamal comes up to me, and he says, I couldn't make it to church last week, and I was like, oh, great, thanks for cheering me up. Um, What's your lame excuse? No, just kidding. Just kidding. I never think about that when you're not here. No, he said, you know, he had to do something, obviously, last week. He said, I wasn't here, but he said, you know, during the week, I, I put on your message. I listened to it. And he said, I got so energized. He said, you know, my wife called me up, and she was having a problem at work, and, she, and, and normally I would just be like, bye, honey. But he said, no, I stayed on the phone with her, and then I blessed her. He said, I stayed on the phone with her, and I blessed her. And he gave me a hug and said, thank you. And I realized, you know what? We're not alone. And what we're doing really does change things. See, because Elijah was feeling like I've done all this, and I feel like I've accomplished nothing. You know what? Sometimes you'll feel like you're doing all this, and you've accomplished nothing. No, you're accomplishing a lot. Anytime you do something for God, you're affecting someone somewhere, somehow, in some way. And you are not alone. Amen? Let's bow our heads right now. I want to make sure that no one here is alone when it comes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you died tonight, are you 100% sure that you would spend eternity in heaven? I'm not talking about 50, 75, 90. 99. I'm saying 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. I want you to, listen, come out of your cave for a second and listen to what I'm saying here. This is the word of God. Are you 100% sure? Because if you're not, you need to say this prayer. Because Jesus died for you. He loves you. His grace is enough for you. There's nothing you've done too bad that he doesn't love you and hasn't forgiven you. I was a drug dealing, high school dropout, burglarizing, no good bum that God loved anyway. None of us are any worse than anybody else. We're all loved. We're all his beloved. So when you say this prayer, if you mean it, and you acknowledge Jesus, your life will be totally changed today. I pray that a still small voice would speak to anyone here that doesn't know Jesus and convince them that God loves them and has a great plan for them and that they should give their heart to him today. So say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross. His blood was shed for my sin. God, forgive me for the mistakes I've made. I want to be totally forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus. I receive him into my heart now. Everybody's eyes closed, head bowed for a second. You said that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now.